So, start of a brand new year. I would say it would feel customary to ask about New Year's resolutions. You've heard that already. Anyway, look, regardless of whether or not you make a New Year's resolution or whether it's your New Year's resolution not to make them, um, we know it's a good thing to, to make improvements in our life. We know it's a good thing to want to grow and to develop. Now, sometimes uh, change is forced upon us. It might be that we've, been, we've become aware of a certain health condition which is going to require um, a change in our lifestyle, a change in our diet. Maybe we're also aware in our, that we need to, to make some changes so that we don't get stuck in a, in a rut or that we don't feel stagnant maybe feel stagnant in our relationships or um, in our workplace. And let's face it, we're not short of people who offer advice. We're not short of places where um, we can go to for people to give us advice on how to change, on how to improve, or how we can, you know, get upskilled. I mentioned it in the weekly, early, uh, weekly email um, earlier this week that, that newspapers and magazines at this time of year, they are full of, of things about, full of methods in how you can end up being more fulfilled in your life. How you can make the most of 2023. So you do this and do that, change, make this change here and, and the other. And then I've also seen articles that tell you that these articles supposedly give you permission to stop reading those articles on how to change your life. Follow this advice. No, don't have to follow all the bits of advice. They don't seem to appreciate the irony there. Anyway, somehow we've got to filter through all this advice. How do you filter through um, all this different information, information, advice telling you to do this or buy that, eat this, um, drink that. How do you navigate that kind of thing, all those different choices? And how do you navigate them when at times it doesn't feel like there's a definitive right or wrong answer? How do we make sense of the world around us, the relationships we have with people in the home place, at work? How do we make sense of the world that is within us. Yes, you can make changes and resolutions about what time you wake up or what you eat and, and what you watch. But deep down, the kind of change a lot of us are after is a change within us. How do we make sense of those desires that we find in us, our emotions, our hopes and our dreams? If that's you, if that's in any way you, if you know that you need help, Welcome to the book of Proverbs. Welcome to the book of Proverbs. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with this book. The book of Proverbs isn't necessarily one that's often preached on. It's not often read either um, in the Bibles. I remember in my previous church, um, a church up in Lancashire in Bolton, uh, we were going through some Proverbs. And I remember on the first Sunday, we 
lovely old lady called Madge. She kind of picked it up. She got to the passage. She started flicking through them. And she went, hey, it's like jokes in here, isn't it? (laughs) Thoroughly surprised to see something like that here in the Bible. Now, we might not be familiar with the book of Proverbs from the Bible, but a lot of us, we get the idea of a proverb. So this is where you're going to help me out. Fill, the, fill in the lines. Um, a bird in a hand. Many hands. Look before. Good stuff. And we've also learned proverbs from other cultures that have helped kind of enrich our understanding. It takes a village to raise a child. Now, some of those proverbs are sayings which um, describe the world and what happens. Other proverbs, they tell us what to do in a certain situation. Now, let's be honest about it. You can find these kinds of proverbs and sayings everywhere. But would you really live your life by them? Maybe some of you know somebody who's quite prone to trotting them out. Stitching time saves nine. Hear that again and again. It gets a bit grating, doesn't it? It can be a bit grating if, there's, if someone's solution is just this like kind of trite little phrase or saying. There are modern examples of them as well. Not necessarily of proverbs, but of that kind of little bit of communication. Um, internet memes. You know what I mean. The kind of thing you find on social media. The kind of thing that gets forwarded in an email. And you see it. You smile, you chuckle, but you don't need to see it all the time. You're not thinking, I'm going to base my life on just a little picture of a you know, cat or whatever. When you get to the Proverbs in the Bible, is it the same kind of thing? Is it the same kind of thing? Uh, you know, a momentary chuckle, a temporary truth. Now, obviously, you know that that's not what I think. But Why? Why is that the case? Verse 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Straight away, we're thrown into Bible history. We're thrown into Bible history. These Proverbs were there for a reason. They are part of God's inspired word for us to live wholly by. This is part of God's inerrant truth. And even though if you go through the the whole book, and I advise you, if you get a chance to sit and read them, even though you're not going to read about um, the Exodus or the Passover, you're not going to read about the big Old Testament feasts, this is still God's truth for us. Now, if that's a little bit more subtle, verse 7 hits us straight down the eyes. We looked at it earlier. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instructions. The words given to us in this book are not take it or leave it. If you want to find knowledge, wisdom and instruction for life, how God intends us to lead it, then you need a fear of the Lord. We're going to come back to that phrase a little bit later on. You're going to come back to that a little bit. But 
But what is this instruction telling us? What's the essence of these verses? What's the essence of these first seven verses? Now, in one sense, you could boil it all down to, to, the, to saying that you need Proverbs to get wise. You need Proverbs about the fear of the Lord, and that's how you're going to get wisdom. Is that true? Yes. Is that all that the book is saying? It's actually a lot more subtle than that. Proverbs as a book, it doesn't work in that way. There's subtlety and there's nuance there. One writer said that you've got to approach this book, you've got to approach Proverbs like boiled sweets, hard sweets, not soft, chewy ones, hard ones. Now, what happens if you kind of get a hard sweet and you just take a chomp out of them? You know, you're going to do damage to your teeth. You're going to break your teeth. Or... You might get a bit of flavour, but not much. It just kind of all gets stuck around your mouth, not very pleasant. What do you do with a, with a hard sweet or a boiled sweet? If you remember, gobstoppers, fireballs, that kind of thing. You've got to let them roll around in your mouth. You let them roll around your mouth. Some of the really good ones, you kind of think you've got one flavour, then, ooh, all of a sudden, something else in your mouth. The taste comes out bit by bit. And over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to do with these Proverbs. We're going to look at Proverbs on different topics. We're going to look at what Proverbs has to say about our emotions, our feelings, what it has to say about our relationships, what Proverbs has to say about the way that we communicate with one another, what Proverbs has to say about our use of money, what Proverbs says about living justly, in a world that's unjust. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be darting around because these proverbs, they're not all nice, neatly arranged, all one topic, all in one section. So, what we, so that's what's going to be for the next few weeks. But what about today? What happens, though, when we roll these first seven verses around in our mouth? That's something I've been trying to do. What's being said and who's it being said to? Or why do we need Proverbs and who needs to hear them? That's broadly where we're going. So what are we getting in these Proverbs? Verse 2 says, They are for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. And all of that seems pretty straightforward. Wisdom, instruction, words of insight. But the thing is that these are three slightly different words. They're not quite saying exactly the same thing. If you linger a bit longer, let the words roll around, you realise they're saying slightly different things. Wisdom. Wisdom is a word we're used to. But it's not intellect. It's not simply intellect. Wisdom isn't simply about saying using your brains. It's definitely not academic ability. Wisdom. Does it come with age? Some cases, but not definitively. See, the world tells us, you know, experience is important, and it is. The world wants to tell us, live and learn. You become wiser through your experiences. You become wiser through your mistakes. But Proverbs says, mm, really? Proverbs says, learn and live. You don't have to make mistakes in order to get wise. Imagine you're about to go on a long coach trip, long coach journey. You get on the coach, 
people, you, you know, you're sat behind the driver, you hear the driver, the coach driver over chatting, um, hear him chatting to another passenger getting on. Coach driver says, you know what? Each time I've had a crash, I've become a better driver afterwards. <laughs> you're not going to stay on there, are you? You're going to get off. You don't have to make mistakes in order to learn. You can learn first before you live. Wisdom then is about knowing God's word and applying it to God's world. And it requires skill and expertise. And sometimes in life, we're going to, find a, 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 we're going to face a conundrum. There's going to be a decision we're going to take. And we want to know what the Bible says. And we kind of hunt through the Gospels. Well, there's nothing about it there. You hunt through the epistles, the letters, New Testament letters. There's nothing there. Maybe you dig into the Old Testament. There's nothing about it there. There's nothing in the books of law. There's no kind of, as it were, hard and fast reason or, dis- or anything about that issue in the Bible. Does that mean that the Bible has nothing to say about it? No. Because sometimes the answer is found in Proverbs. And sometimes it's direct. Or sometimes it's because we've, we, we've lived in the world of Proverbs that we've allowed them to roll around in our mouth. We've kind of meditated on them. And what that's done is that's got us into a way of thinking that gives us different angles on how we can approach the questions of life. We need those different angles in order to give us wisdom. Second word that's mentioned is instruction. We gain instruction. There also in verse 3. Proverbs for receiving an instruction in prudent behavior. Prudent behavior elsewhere translated as kind of wise dealings with people. And it's, again, it's a slightly different word. It's a different Hebrew word to wisdom. To, to wisdom. Instruction, it brings us into the realm of discipline, of being taught. It's a word that reminds us that to be wise, to be biblically wise, doesn't mean that we're just kind of randomly picking up bits of knowledge and wisdom here and there. No, but that being biblically wise is about sitting under instruction, sitting under an instructor. Biblical wisdom isn't about like wandering through a meadow or a field, picking up bits of wisdom like wildflowers and making a nice little pretty necklace or garland. No, no, biblical wisdom is about being in the training room with the instructor who's not afraid to get real with you. He's not afraid to get tough with you, to get you in line for your own good. Over the next few weeks, as we listen to some of these proverbs, we might feel the bite of them. Or we might laugh at them till we realize that the joke's on us. Don't rush from that. Don't rush from truth, which may be great to you, which kind of gets up in your face. Because maybe God's got a plan for that. Maybe you've got to let that linger to instruct us, to get us in line. The last word, phrase here that's mentioned, we've had wisdom, we've had instruction. Then it mentions, end of verse 2, words of insight. Proverbs are given to us so that we can have insight or discernment, so that we can spot the subtle differences, the fine lines, as it were, in life. We need that insight. 
about a decade or so ago, I remember my dad having his cataracts done. Anyone here have their cataracts done? Yeah, there's a few people, yeah. Um, now, I remember that <laughs> once the anaesthetic wore off, it was really painful for him. It was just like really, really painful. But then afterwards, he said his eyesight was so much sharper. There was a clarity. He could see in things. Unfortunately, what he spotted first of all was that the, he could spot the dust and the dirt on the carpet much better. I clearly wasn't doing a good enough job with the hoover. Biblical wisdom, biblical discernment means our vision is sharpened. We're not simply now content to say, well, that's a sin um, and that isn't, or the Bible says nothing about that, so I'm free to go ahead and do that. But sometimes we, with biblical wisdom, with biblical discernment and, and insight, we can see a particular action or a particular business deal or we can see a particular kind of friendship and we're able to evaluate it and think, you know what, that might lead me into trouble. It might. What do I need to be aware of? better able to pick out the dirt from the carpet. On the flip side, another writer, Tim Keller, he says that this discernment, these words of insight, it's the ability to tell the difference between the good, the better, and the best. More briefly then, who is all of this being said to? Kind of had three words there, wisdom, instruction, words of insight, these few verses bring to us three kinds of audience. The simple, the wise, and the fools. In your Bible, um, if you've got an NIV, there's probably a footnote there about the simple. It says that the simple are the gullible. They believe anything. Probably reason to think that the simple was kind of referring to young people. And then they might be naive, but that doesn't mean they're innocent. You could say the people, the simpler are those who are at a crossroads. Will they listen to the word of God? Will they listen to the word of God and instruction? Will they take that in and become wise? Or will they stay on the same path which ends in foolishness? See, when we look across the whole Bible, the overall direction of the human heart is towards foolishness. What marks out the second group, the wise? Look at verse 5. It says, the wise listen and add to their learning. The wise don't come to church and say, yeah, I've heard that before. Close the Bibles. The wise aren't satisfied with what they already know. They want to add to it. The wise aren't satisfied with how much they already know about God's love. The wise aren't satisfied with, how, with where they've got to in their spiritual growth. No, they want to grow more like Jesus. There's no retirement age for the wise. Lastly, then, there are the fools. And here's the thing. When it comes to foolishness, foolishness is not so much about actions, but attitude. 
Foolishness isn't so much about making poor decisions, but it's about the overall posture of life. Again, verse 7. So defining, it's so clear for us. Look down with me again. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Put simply, the fool says, I don't really need to hear this. It goes back to everyday life. Fool says, yeah, I don't know, maybe I've heard it before, but, you know, whatever. Take it and leave it. Now, here's the thing, and I'm coming towards an end now. My brain, my heart is naturally foolish. Even in my wisest moments, it really doesn't take much for me to end up foolish. And I can look around for wise people to support me, to give me advice and counsel. And Proverbs will say, surround yourself with good people. And these people will teach me what Proverbs says about life. And maybe I will learn all these Proverbs. Maybe I can memorize them. But it can just stay up there. Proverbs don't just need to linger around in your mouth, like rolling around like the sweet, but the truth has to sink in our hearts. Deep down, we know we need more than just being able to quote a proverb or quote a wise saying or know a truth in your head. Solomon's name is included at the top of, of in, in verse 1. It's his collection of Proverbs. And the Bible tells us that people flocked from all over the world to hear his wisdom. But thousands of years later, someone else came along. Someone else was born. The one to whom the wise men came and bowed before. And as that man, as that child, that baby grew up, he said that one greater than Solomon was here. Jesus didn't point to the wisdom of someone else. He pointed to himself. Jesus came into the world. He is the word. He is the defining word. He is the one who is the true and the ultimate reality. And he entered into that world. He took on human flesh and we can be in relationship with him. And we need him because that matters. Because although we can surround ourselves with wise people, deep down we will also know that those wise people are also have hearts that are prone to foolishness. We need something else. We need someone else from the outside to come in, to make sense. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Look, it's easy to say that wisdom begins when you know you're a fool. That's easy to say. Wisdom begins when you know you're a fool. But plenty of people know that they're a fool and they do nothing about it. True wisdom comes when you fear the Lord. 
when you bow to him in worship, when your wisdom leads to worship, which leads to wisdom, which leads to worship, it's a virtuous circle. True wisdom comes when you're saying, I'm not going to rely on my own wisdom. I can't just settle it by myself. Even I can't just settle it with my friends, even they know and I love God. I need to go back to God. True wisdom comes when ultimately you turn away from your own wisdom and your own direction of life and you see the death of Jesus on the cross for you. And when you see that as true wisdom and power. Let's bow our heads and I'll pray. Just take a moment and in your heart there may be an area of life where you know that you need wisdom. If you're trusting in Jesus, bring that request to him now in a quietness. Lord Jesus, we praise you because you are wisdom for foolish people. And thank you that your wisdom leads to worship. It leads to a transformation, a developing, a maturing of our character. Not so that we can simply do the right things, but we're doing it for the right reasons. We're doing it out of love and gratitude to please you. And I pray for anyone who does not know you as true wisdom, that over the next few weeks, or even beginning from right now, the truth of your word would sink into their hearts, not just roll around in their mouths, and rise to their brain, but sink into their hearts so that this wisdom would change us and make us more like you. We ask in your precious name. Amen.